Welcome to our podcast, Talk To Me Sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We are on episode number two of our podcast, Talk To Me Sister. Today we are discussing all things surrogacy. Uh, We're just talking about how I made the decision to use Kathy as my surrogate, how my experience was talking to an agency, how Kathy felt called and ready to be my surrogate, etc. Yeah, we're excited. We're so excited. (laughs) It's a lot of information, so I do think this would be great for people who know us, but also those who are interested in being a surrogate or being an intended parent. And really quick, for people who are just tuning in and skipped the intro... You're my surrogate, and you're my twin sister. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's so freaking <laughs> Yes. I'm so excited. So we are going to go into some of the details. Uh, it was about a two-year conversation and about a year-long process of, you know, the start to finish. Start to finish is in, like, the transfer and all that. So, um, and bef- Wednesday, this past Wednesday, yeah. we had our second ultrasound. We did. Everything looks really good. He looks so sp- we're so, so cute. happy. And he's tripled in size, which is wild. Yeah, in two weeks, he got three times bigger, which makes sense why uh, it's it's been difficult. You're, you're hungry, and you've been nauseous. Hungry and um, tired. But he, he's tripled in it. size. Last time, the first ultrasound, he was the size of a blueberry, mm-hmm. and now you can see his arms and his legs, and he did a little wiggle for us. So, yeah, he's um, like a gummy bear now. We're officially um, released from Nashville Fertility, yeah. and we are officially OB patients starting February 3rd. So that's yeah, we graduated. Exciting. We graduated from our fertility clinic, which is just, if anybody walks this journey, you know that's a, a huge deal because we've had so many appointments there and so much unexpected and unknown. So it's a really big deal to graduate from there. And on Wednesday, in a couple of days, I'll be 10 weeks um, and I get to start weaning off of my extra hormones. I'm so glad you get to do that. Me too. I feel like that's part of the reason that you've been so sick. Yeah, I think so. I don't quite feel myself on all the hormones. Um, And just shout out to to IVF warriors out there who have to do this because I I did the light version. I'm only taking estrogen by mouth and progesterone suppositories. And those are the only two things I'm taking. And I I feel... I follow a girl on Instagram who's doing IVF right now. And she she just posted a picture where she's holding up two, like, Ziploc gallon bags Mm -hmm. of shots. I know. Yeah. And she said, like, hashtag 20 weeks, here we go. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm so so glad glad that you don't have to do 20 weeks of shots. Me too. So we're just shouting out to all the people who have to because I feel so... It's been... It's draining. Yeah, it's draining. Um, There's some brutal parts of the day-to-day, the doing mm-hmm. it every day, um, and all the, and I am taking a lot of pills, taking a lot of supplements, which I want yeah. to. That's, and that's on you though. That's they on didn't me. tell you to, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it, I am excited for that milestone. I really am. So I did want to point out before we get started, um, Sarah and I have some questions we're going to ask each other that we have gotten that are kind of common questions that people ask when we tell them about this process, mm-hmm. but I actually wanted to point out the difference between a gestational carrier and a surrogate because we use the word surrogate. A lot of people use that word for what I'm doing for you, which is carrying your baby. Um, But I'm actually technically your gestational carrier. carrier. This is is not your biological Mm -hmm. baby mixed with Richard's sperm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is my egg and... Richard's sperm. Right. So a traditional surrogate is someone who is related to their baby but is not keeping it. I guess that's the way to say it. They're, they're uh, more or less egg donors, traditional surrogates, which, which, they, which is wild, rare, but, but they still do it. I mean, I feel like that would be so hard as a surrogate because it's really like your child. Like, did you see little fires everywhere? The yeah, yeah, she's like that. Yeah, that. And she's she, a traditional surrogate. Yeah, and she realized it was her baby, and she loved yeah, it, and it she took so off, hard. and never, no one ever heard from her again. It would be hard, but some incredible women do it. You know, I it's, know, it's, it's wild. It's some incredible women do it. It's like Such being an egg donor. Yeah. Um, so 
that's not me. I'm tr- technically a gestational carrier, but even in the in the world of surrogacy and IVF and gestational, we use the word surrogate just you know as as what I'm doing as well as a gestational carrier. Yeah. So we wanted to clarify that that this embryo was made in a lab with part of Sarah and part of Richard and was put in me and I am a carrier. Um, and we did talk about it like when we were exploring all this. We were like, man, it would be cheaper for us just to do IUI or something, right? And then I was like, wait, then I think I would be really, really, oh yeah, that would be hard. <laughs> Richard was like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not really into that. That's and I a said little bit too, too close to home. I mean, Kathy's like my sister, mm-hmm. but that would be a little weird. And of course, we wanted your genes and all that good stuff. So, um, so I did want to clarify that. And let's get into it. So I'm going to ask Sarah a couple questions, and then she'll ask me a few, and we hope it clarifies some things for you guys. So Sarah is the intended parent, and Sarah, I would love to know, you know, really from the beginning, like when did you and Richard decide surrogacy was something that you wanted to do? And I would love to know too if you considered adoption, if you considered something else, or if you just always knew this was what you wanted to do. Right. So, I mean, obviously, if you heard our previous episode, I'm a cancer survivor. I had a hysterectomy because of my treatment plan. And Richard and I were coming off of some really, really hard years. I mean, I didn't realize that was going to happen to me. He didn't sign up to have a sick wife. And we really both had to grieve um, the possibility of not growing our family and not giving Charlotte a sibling. And when we got married, we had all those fun future conversations like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we want three kids. We want, or, you know, maybe two boys, two girls, like all those exciting things. And when life takes a hard left, I think that Richard, obviously I wanted to be healed. Richard wanted, uh, you know, me to be healthy. And even though I was pronounced cancer free, it doesn't take away the fact that you grieve that loss. Yeah. And just the possibility of having future children. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at our age, I think that most of the time women get to make that decision for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? This is our last baby. We're done. Let's put the bottles in the trash. Right. But when it's forced upon you, it's like it's gut-wrenching at our age. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, you know, I was blessed to have one baby. Mm-hmm. Charlotte is perfect. And, um, you know, she's three and a half. And I'm so blessed. But... Also, I think about the women that, you know, don't even get it, haven't, have even had one and and you're struggling so. So Mm -hmm. we had to really grieve that together and we put the possibility of having a future, you know, a second child um, really out of the picture for the whole, you know, first year post-treatment for me because we were really focused on um, getting me healthy, you know, getting me my strength back. Yeah. Um, but we were really prayerful, and I think the surrogacy thing was always in the back of my mind because mm-hmm. um, about a week before I was supposed to have a hysterectomy, my oncologist said, you know what, Sarah, I know you really want future children, and I tried my best to save your uterus, mm-hmm. but your hysterectomy is only a partial hysterectomy. You'll still have your ovaries, so if you ever want to pursue surrogacy, we mm-hmm. can discuss it. And that sentence just like was in the back of my mind. Like it gave you hope. It did. And while I thought that was so out of reach and like, I couldn't even understand the science of that. Yeah. Um, that sentence plus you a year and a half before Mm -hmm. saying, Sarah, I'll have your babies. Mm -hmm. Not that I even thought you would ever be my surrogate, honestly and truly. But I think that that, you know, was in the back of my mind Mm -hmm. and Richard in the back of his mind. And we just decided to be prayerful about it. So I think we took a, you know, six months to be just prayerful about it and we just thought you know why not pursue this and start asking the questions and if God continues to open doors then we'll step through them were you going to say something yes I I did I do think Alex and I had the conversation before your hysterectomy and I I remember being in your kitchen here before or maybe slightly after your hysterectomy Mm -hmm. that I mentioned it again and again it was a very like I know you're grieving I don't want to just rush to the next thing I didn't want Mm -hmm. you to not be able to grieve the loss of you having your baby and just Mm -hmm. jumping to me having your baby for you. So I didn't even know if it was the right place to bring it up again. But I do remember us casually having that conversation again around that time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and part of me is like, oh my god, that's so silly. Like, yeah, can you can you even imagine? I mean, we were just so grateful that you were alive and that you know, like, yeah. And Doctor Nick, my was, oncologist, I told her that I was like, you know, that's great to hear, but I'm just trying to be healthy for my my baby that's right. here, and that's all I care about. It was like all we could think about at that time was like, okay, let's just get me healthy. Let's just get Sarah better. But yeah. to answer your question, in the last part of the question, Richard and I probably like six to nine months post my last treatment where I was really starting to feel like myself again we Mm -hmm. decided okay we're coming up on February it's a new year why not just make an appointment with Nashville Fertility and just Mm -hmm. see what our options are yeah um so we had that initial appointment to say I have my ovaries can you look at them you know I'm six Mm -hmm. months out of treatment actually I was nine months out of treatment let's just see if egg retrieval is a possibility because that's really the first step for surrogacy um, I did mention adoption to Richard on a walk once. Yeah. And because we take walks, it's like where we clear our head and we just kind of casually chatted about it. And I mean, I think that it has to, adoption is a big thing that has to, yeah, kind of, it's such a calling. Um, it's such a calling. And, it is, yeah. and while, you know, that, I mean, it definitely was an option, but I think we decided that surrogacy we wanted to pursue that and then keep the door open. So we never talked to an adoption agency. I did talk to a um, foster to adopt mm-hmm. agency just to kind of get all my options out there because um, I was curious. But we really focused on um, egg retrieval and surrogacy first. Yeah. And we thought, you know, if we get a slammed, hard, closed door yeah. with surrogacy, then of course adoption is an incredible, incredible mission. And there's a lot of parents out there that it's such a calling. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that, you know, your husband or both or both spouses are on board with that calling because it really is such a such a gift. So you definitely have to be called to do it. I mean, even just from the outside, from the beginning and from being a part of it, we had a lot of open doors and options with surrogacy. So I also want to know your first appointment was in you had an initial appointment with your fertility clinic. Mm-hmm. And just to see if you guys were good candidates for egg retrieval, right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't really know if that was going to be you because you'd been through chemo, right? Can right. you give like an overview of that a little bit? Right, because surrogacy wouldn't have been possible if we didn't have healthy eggs mm-hmm. or a good biological embryo, right? So before I even, I think, mentioned to you that I was doing egg retrieval or anybody, I was like, well, the first step is egg retrieval. And we had an initial ultrasound and... You know, by the grace of God, like everything was perfect. My ovaries were healthy looking. Um, I had developed follicles, but um, I will say my body had been through so much. Mm. My doctor, my fertility doctor was pleasantly surprised knowing my medical history. But I think one ovary had like one follicle. So that was, I was pretty much going on one super strong ovary. It worked. We just needed one. (laughs) That's what she always said. She was like... We just need one, so... And we're going to do another episode on our IVF process, so we're not going to yeah. go too far into the details for people who don't want to know about that, but... Um, yeah, that'll be a long that'll be a long conversation. There's yeah. so much... We are going to talk about there. surrogacy um, in a second, but I would love to know kind of one more thing that I know people wonder is just from your perspective, what has been the hardest part, the most difficult part about seeing your baby grow in somebody else, prepare preparing to not carry your baby that must have been difficult or must be currently difficult like I got here today and I'm like in maternity pants and Sarah was like oh my gosh okay I'm 10 weeks so it's definitely happening faster than it has but I can definitely see it and so I want to know like where you are yeah well it's funny it's something that no one really asks so like I appreciate when people are always like how are you doing yeah everyone's super excited about this whole story yeah. but it's like you know no one stops to say like how are how are you doing mm-hmm. so um yeah I mean when I was even going through treatment and I was scrolling through Instagram and seeing everybody's pregnancy announcements and everybody having their second and third kid mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's devastating and yeah. it's heartbreaking and you want to be happy for your friends and you want to be happy for people but you know I'm sitting there laying in bed no hair mm-hmm. no uterus knowing that like that is not a future that I'm going to ever have again. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, there's, there's good days and bad days to answer your question. 
I am so, so thrilled that this is a possibility that I actually get another biological child and that you're willing to carry my baby is like, we are over the moon about that. And I think that outweighs any feeling that I have that I wouldn't carry my own. I mean, and you're my twin sister. I mean, we were, yeah. I mean, you're you get to see me grow, which is in a way nice, right? You're like yeah. in the day to day. Yeah. You're like an extension of me. So yeah. I think it would be different. It was, if it was a stranger. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some grief there. I would, you know, I'd love to rock a bump and feel the kicks and all yeah. those things. But one thing I've learned about in life is that you, you roll with the punches and you just try to have gratitude. So I'm yeah. just like, I think that's the biggest thing right I'm there thrilled. is, is having perspective. It doesn't mean you can't grieve and you can't have hard days, Yeah. but if you stay there and yeah. you stay in those hard places, you miss some of the beauty. Yeah. So anyway, but we will get into the whole IVF process and my egg retrieval and Mm -hmm. embryo creation and all the cool science of it because this baby is coming here because of a lot of love, but also a little bit of science. So we'll we'll get into that later. But um, I definitely want to talk about you as a surrogate, Kathy, because women listening to this who are looking for a surrogate one or two want wanting to be a surrogate themselves Mm -hmm. are going to have a lot of questions i'm ready what you got let's talk about how how did you prepare to start the surrogacy process in your mind and your heart Mm -hmm. and how did you prepare mentally to take this leap to volunteer for me or how are you still preparing emotionally and mentally as you're yeah now officially a surrogate so you know, as I mentioned before, my career really and my passion is in like mental health. I mean, sorry, not mental health, women's maternal health. And I love, um, you know, hormone health and pregnancy and postpartum. And so I, I work with that. And I'm a dietitian and, and work with women in that area. So I had a lot of these like seeds planted even before you were sick, right? So like when I was pregnant with Sam, who's my son, he's almost four. I was preparing for like, I was trying, um, I, I was preparing for a unmedicated delivery, right? So I was like trying to really get my mind ready for his birth. And I was listening to birth stories. There's a podcast called the birth hour. And I was just listening to all these birth stories and I listened, you remember, remember? it was like, you would tell me to listen when I was pregnant with Char because you were pregnant with Sam at the same time. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, nah. Um, But I listened to a story. I was on, I just, I would walk and listen to these stories. And I was listening to a a birth story about a sister-in-law who had her sister's baby as a surrogate or gestational carrier. Right. And I don't remember the exact details, but I remember bawling and being so moved. And this wasn't even, this again, like before you were sick, right? I was going to say, because I was pregnant, Charlotte was a healthy delivery, Right, there was no um, reason that I should have been so moved. <laughs> I, sister, I don't think I ever knew this. Yeah, I know. I remember. So, Aww. yeah, I just feel like these little seeds were planted. And then Alex, um, my husband, he met a girl at his work and she got up and shared her story that she was a cancer survivor mm. and her sister had her baby yes. as a gestational carrier. So Alex and I both had these things. Who like, I actually talked I actually talked you to talked her. to. I yeah. emailed her before I went to I wanted her. Well that's advice. important to say. Like you connected with somebody who had had a baby via family right. member. But she was like a diamond in the rough. Like, she was. And that's so that's why we wanted to share this episode yeah. and talk about it because I wish I had had been resources. Able, yeah. Yeah. I just didn't feel like she was like a diamond in the rough mm-hmm. that had like been planted in our path and I'm so glad that she was able to give me tidbits but well I think that helped that Alex and I both had had like we didn't know anybody really who had been a surrogate or a gestational carrier and we had both kind of these seeds planted so when I mentioned it to him he wasn't like well what's that like he had known somebody who has had a baby that way um and so anyway I had the kind of the seed planted and I loved my birth with Samson. Clearly I, my son, I did a lot of prep work of, you know, it was really like a spiritual process of preparing for his birth. So I have a hard time with that fourth trimester and that baby stage. I know people love it, but I don't. So <laughs> I was like, oh man, I would love to be pregnant again, but I really don't want another human to take care of. <laughs> like I really don't. Because I, you know, now that they're older, we're just like, so they're, 
I like them so much more, you know? You've always loved them, but liking them grows as they become people who you can just, like, Mm -hmm. communicate with. I would say Alex feels the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely feels the same. He's ready to schedule his vasectomy. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I literally cannot get pregnant, so why don't we... (laughs) Anyway, that's another conversation. But anyway, so I loved being pregnant, and so when you were sick, everything got put on the back burner. Our lives, so, you know, our focus was Mm -hmm. to you know, be there for you. And I just felt this tug in my heart really of like, I don't know if this is what I should do, but I'm going to continue to do my own research. So I started doing research. I also connected with a girl we went to high school with who was the only other person I knew, uh, who had been a gestational carrier. So I talked to her on the phone. She was so candid and so honest with me. I just reached out to her on Facebook and we connected and talked on the phone. And she told me the ups and the downs and the hard parts and the great parts. Mm-hmm. And she's currently on her second journey. Is it yeah. her second or third surrogacy? Her second. So Isn't we should get her on to talk. We really we should interview her. Should. Isn't it cool how God just like puts people in your path? Yes. Like I think about Alex. I'm like, for a husband to yeah. just be okay with having his wife pregnant for nine Mm -hmm. months with that's not his child like yeah let's be honest there's some I mean you're I mean he had questions he had reservations but his initial response was absolutely this feel I have questions I have concerns but I he felt this openness that both of us felt this Mm -hmm. peace that is only God-given that said well let's just push forward and see what happens. So I started doing my own research. I listened to podcasts. I read books. I talked to people who had been surrogates and I just started to say like, okay, God, I'm going to look into what this would be for my family, (laughs) what this would mean for my own kids. And we'll go from there. Yeah. So that, this is a good intro into the next, uh, question for you and just kind of, um, the process that we took as families So fast forward, we had a healthy embryo and we were over the moon. We were, um, you know, we actually did talk to an agency and, um, we, it's not because I really knew we were going to use the agency. I just wanted to see what a professional who had, I mean, we didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. We just knew nothing. So (laughs) I wanted to talk to a professional who did this for a living living and hired surrogates for intended parents. And I do think you guys were looking at agencies too because you wanted to give me an out. I remember after you had an embryo, you said, you know, this initial process of us looking into making sure you're a right surrogate, the screening process is expensive. So this is your out. No pressure. mm -hmm. We have listened. We have talked to agencies. Let you and Alex need to really make sure before we move forward that this is what you want to do. So, and I was having a little bit of heartburn as your sister. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a part of you that maybe want, wanted future children. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be that kind of, like, hammer on the, you know, like, a yeah. closed door for you. That, yeah. like, okay, I just wanted to get a professional's opinion. So that's why I talked to an agency. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking them specifically, I was like, so can you tell me what you look for in a surrogate? you know, for a perfect surrogate for your intended parents. And she said on the phone to me, she said, well, we have incredible surrogates and we actually have surrogates um, that are on board with us that have done this two or three times. She was like, but what we look for is obviously a a healthy person who passes all the medical screening. Mm -hmm. But also, ironically, it's usually women, wives that you know, love being pregnant, mothers. but mothers who have children of their own. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have, um, you know, two or three kids and they're done. And I, and I asked her specifically, I was like, well, is it a make or break if they're, if they, you know, want to have other children of their own? Mm-hmm. And she said, no, she said, we've actually had surrogates that have done the surrogacy process and mm-hmm. ended up having children of their own after that. So I will I say though it's ad, it's advised though to to be done for the most part because legally for legal reasons in case something goes if something goes wrong mm-hmm. right with any pregnancy there are risks right mm-hmm. of not being able to have your own after right hemorrhaging or you know there's risk pregnancy is a very physical demanding you like face death at the end right you know yeah. it's a lot so they say it's advised to be done having your own emotionally it's easier 
and um, but it's not a make but it's not a make it or break it. You're right. They do not eliminate you as a candidate if you're like I'm not sure. And that's really where Alex and I were. We said Alex is is done. (laughs) He's pretty much done. (laughs) But I'm such a dreamer. I'm like I don't want a baby now. I know my uterus is open for business, Mm -hmm. but I just the the finality of it was hard for me. So it was nice for them to say, you know, we've had people to go on. I will say also hormones, specifically IVF hormones, when you're doing the full shebang of all the shots and stuff, can cause secondary infertility. So women who are fertile and had their own kids and then go through the process of IVF, it could impact their fertility later on. Right. So that's important. And I felt a kind of a sense of relief when we realized we did not have to do all that. Right. Our fertility clinic was very open with a more natural option. Um, so I felt relieved by that. And I'm you- just praying that God either closes the door in my heart of being like, after I have this baby, I'm just being like, oh, I'm going to have to do that anymore. Right. Or that Alex is heart is like oh maybe I'm open to it but I'm never I'm gonna wait for him because one thing I know about having three kids is that I'm gonna have to have him 100% on board you know (laughs) that's one thing I don't want to do but moral of the story you don't have to not I mean yeah women surrogates do go on to have their own children after their surrogacy journey that's risky it's it's I would say I mean, and you have two healthy babies of your own. Mm-hmm, very so, happy. I'm very happy. <laughs> and also, they would never clear somebody who has never had a pregnancy before to be a surrogate. Right. So I do actually have a list of things that you have to have on here, just in case people are interested in becoming a surrogate. Okay. So you do have to fall within a criteria. So we had three big things we had to get through first. So after you guys said... Kathy, are you sure? And Alex and I said, yes, this is on our heart. God knows this is the next thing for our family. What do we do? Yeah, First, we had a medical steps? screening. Mm-hmm. Then we had psychological screening and counseling. And then we had legal. Those mm-hmm. were the three big things we had to get through. And that was something that I, when I was researching and we were like diving into it, I was like, we have to have counseling. You yeah, know, you have there to was pass a lot of psych things. exams and all that stuff. But it may- took us about... Maybe it, actually we did it pretty quickly compared to other people. We probably mm-hmm. did it within four months. All of the things. Yeah, but your your you had your psych exam was much more extensive. It was. Um, but so, talk about so talk the about medical screening was first. The medical screening was first. Sarah and I went. My medical screening. We were probably at the fertility clinic for four hours. Mm-hmm. And um, to be considered a surrogate, you have to be within a healthy age range. Right, childbearing years. You have to be a healthy BMI, so body mass index. Um, you can't be over, over. I think you can't be obese. You could maybe be overweight, and you cannot be underweight because your fertility is optimal when you know you're within normal range. Yeah. Right, and they don't want to create high risk pregnancies. No. So sometimes surrogates will have to lose weight or gain weight to be considered. And you didn't have to. No, I did put on a good five LBs in twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we had some quarantine weight we were working with. <laughs> but I think it helped my fertility. I think it did. Um, of when course, in doubt, eat. When in doubt, eat some avocados. <laughs> yes. Eat some guac. Um, of course, they make sure you're a, like a non-smoker and a non-drug u- drug user. Mm-hmm. They make sure you've had at least one prior successful pregnancy and that you had no complications with those pregnancies. I mentioned in the last episode that I had had a pregnancy loss, actually two, and that did not disqualify me because I had had previous healthy pregnancies. Yeah. So unless you were had like reoccurrent over and over and over miscarriages, um, I don't think it's an issue because when you're doing IVF, you're taking out a lot of the factors that often contribute mm-hmm. to natural loss. And your fertility clinic will guide you through all this seems right. like a lot of information. Like they will guide yeah. you through all of it. They and will. they will screen anyone that you are looking for. If you're an attendant parent, they will yeah. they will screen anybody. Fine. But this tooth is good. Comb. This is good. This is stuff I had to Google on my own, right? So they have to make sure that you're financially independent and that you're not a convicted felon. On the physical screen, they looked at my thyroid, my hormones, they did an ultrasound, they did an S T D test, a drug screen, a physical exam. I mean we were there for a really long time. Uh-huh. Oh Alex, my husband, 
also had to get his blood done. And I was we shocked. Poor, I was like, poor Alex. Why? <laughs> no, he did okay. He used to like faint, but he actually. I know, but I was like, what is that? What so is he I asked. Anything? Yeah. Well, he they they actually the only thing they tested him for is infectious diseases, things like Hep C and stuff like AIDS. that. Yeah. Right, and I think they're making sure that the environment that your sur your your gestational carrier your surrogate is is living in a good environment. So they make sure you're financially stable. They make sure your spouse doesn't have infectious diseases because that represents a healthy home environment. Yeah, because right? let's be honest, there's there's probably some people out there that are like being like, oh, I could get paid to just grow this baby. Right. And they're in like not good environments. Right, circuits who work with agencies make some good money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was the physical screening. Uh, it actually didn't take long. I think they called me a week later and said, mm-hmm. all your blood work came back. Everything looks great. At that appointment, they gave me a packet of paperwork mm-hmm. to fill out. Um, I can't even remember what it was about, honestly, but they gave me a list of was it vitamins health? to take. Oh, oh, right. They did give us a lot of next step stuff. So the next step after we finished all the physical screening was the psychological exam. So I had to also do a psychological exam. I think it was two or three different. You had you had a couple solo yeah. exams. They wanted to make sure you're, you I weren't going to like run away you know, with your baby. <laughs> Little fires everywhere, like yeah, yeah. So but it was intense, though. So I had I set with we did Zoom, a Zoom thing because it was twenty twenty, which is a whole nother. I think we should talk about that. Like we were doing this in the middle we have of a COVID. whole episode about life in twenty twenty. You know, it was tough for a lot of people who were doing IVF Ugh. or surrogacy in the middle of that because some of these carriers were giving birth and the parents couldn't be anything medical in 2020 was was devastating i mean a lot of people people that were sick Mm -hmm. just having to do things alone Alone. and a lot of Um, ivf moms and dads who were just getting pregnant on their own had mm -hmm. to delay transfer i was gonna say they they shut it down for a while we were like we made we had some divine power over our journey because we just like got in the clear all the time but and we were waiting during that period of like March, April, May, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of when you started your egg retrieval. When yeah, when people true. were yeah. not, when they were closing down, we weren't, we were just thinking and talking about mm-hmm. it. Anyway, next we had our Zoom psychological exam. I think I took an hour or two test where they were like asking me all the questions about making sure I was sane, right? Yeah. So it was it's like, have you ever had anxiety? Exam, right? Have you ever, you know... You which, solicit drugs, right? It's all of those questions. Which, what was your answer? Did you have anxiety? <laughs> Did I use solicit drugs? I wasn't on the Zoom, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, no. Did you ever struggle, struggle with and People are going to yeah. want to know. Did you ever struggle they, with anxiety? They told me. You used to take Lexapro. Yeah, I did. Um, they told me, answer as honestly as you can. If you answer perfectly, it actually shows <laughs> poorly, like that you're trying to cover up things. So I answered all of the questions very honestly. And the good thing is it was like on a scale from one to five. You know, you could answer like I have like least likely to or most likely to. Oh, I see. Yeah. So and then after that, the therapist met with me and we went over anything she had a question about. She even called me after and needed more clarification. And I was like, oh, did I make it? Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy? She had like a – was it the same lady that did the our group session, no, right? it was different. Oh, it was? Yeah. Was so the lady she did the like psychological – like a poker face. I was like, did I pass? I know. No, this was a different lady. She had to do – this was different than counseling. This was like the, psychi- the psychological exam. Gotcha. Anyway, she asked me all the questions. And then me and her talked for an additional hour. And she asked me – Pretty much every hard thing in my life, how I handled it. Mm. <laughs> it was hard. I was exhausted. She was like, so your dad died when you were young. Tell me more about that. Or you oh lost gosh. a baby. Tell me more about that. Or you have a twin sister. Tell me about that. Like, how was that hard? Like, and I was just like, okay. You know, I just answered it like I would in therapy. It's like counseling, right? But it was like an hour of all the highs and lows in my life. You know? oh, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go take a nap now. I'm exhausted. Oh, wow. It was hard. And I and Katie, the girl I talked to who had been a surrogate, she yeah. said that, that that's a really hard. They will ask you, what happens if you're pregnant with Sarah's baby and you lose the baby? What happens? Like, how are you? Like, they, they go through all the what ifs. Will you carry guilt, shame? Yeah. How will you feel? Yeah. yeah. 
So they go through all the what ifs. So I guess you answered, obviously you answered okay, because here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I think thankfully, like we've been a family who communicates pretty openly. We've been a family who's pro therapy. She said, have you ever been in therapy before? Yeah, I was going to say, so what if you struggled with depression in the past? Because let's be honest, so many people do. Like, are are you like, do they cross you off the list? No, Or do they just, what if they No, you can't be, it's from my understanding, now you can always clarify this with your doctor if you're wondering, but from my understanding, you can't be actively on um, certain medications for anxiety or depression that, of course, because some of them are contraindicated for pregnancy anyway, oh. right? But some of them are okay with pregnancy, and if you pass this exam, the thing is postpartum depression is real even if you're not bringing a baby home, right? So those are the things that I think they're trying to prepare for if you're struggling with this. They did ask me about my mental state after I had both my babies. and Did you have post- postpartum with Sam? No. I, I struggled more with weaning depression with him. Which is a thing. I was going to say, I remember when he was, wasn't he like six months or? He was like one and I struggled when, when he was like all one. in Tom's station. Yeah. I yeah. But that was kind of also like, like situational, you know, like there was a lot going on. Anna yeah. Moved it wasn't like. I was very lonely and not working. Yeah. yeah. And I was, I nursed him for a long time after that, but also he, he started to wean around then and eat more foods and all the things. And I think a lot of it had to do with the drop. Anyway, so we talked about that. We talked about if we've been in therapy before. I Honestly, I think they just want you to be as honest and open as possible. Mm-hmm. And my recommendation is if you don't pass that exam, it's not meant to be. Because being a surrogate is a very emotional, mental... You have to have a lot of mental strength. <laughs> I know. And going through IVF is really hard, right? So it's a really important... Actually, I think every parent... <laughs> what if every parent had to go through this type of screening? It would be... Uh, I got a lot of people wouldn't have babies, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, our group, and then we had to do our group We had to do section. counseling. So we our had group to counseling do... sessions where they're asked, yeah. Richard and I, where we had, um, they talked to you guys as a couple, and then mm-hmm. she, I don't know why I say they, it was one yeah. lady. She talked to you guys, and then she talked to us. And she talked to, I'm going off of what you just said about, yeah. they asked you about the scenario if you lost the baby. They mm-hmm. asked Richard and I how we would feel. If you lost the baby. Yeah. How, what we would do if like, you know, far along in the pregnancy, it wasn't viable. Right. Um, would we, you know, terminate or keep the baby? Right. Like they asked us all these crazy questions that like, you know, if you delivered the baby and something went wrong, yeah. if all these questions that, you know, if something was wrong with baby at the 20 week ultrasound, like all these things that you just don't really think about because all you're thinking is about is confirming a pregnancy yeah and it's and also like, these are things you don't talk about when you're having a baby just kind of in the conventional sense yeah as well like it's a lot of mental preparation <laughs> it was exhausting i was like yeah. honestly like, oh, it was hard i don't want to think about this but yeah. it's funny because it's it's so non-conventional it's but them. it's you're also drafting up a legal contract so mm-hmm. it's like there's certain statements that have to go in there yeah so i think it honestly the four of us we had had so many prior conversations about this journey, yeah. but it honestly forced us to have everything out on the table. Yeah. Which really and truly, I is feel important. like, is the only way to go. And I'm going to say this really quick before we talk about the legal. Yeah. You're my twin sister, and I think we have an advantage because we are so close, and our husbands were close in high school, mm-hmm. and we're just like, the four of us are very connected We've, anyway. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who is looking for a surrogate... And, you know, going through an agency, it's okay. And it's still going to be a beautiful journey if you don't feel, like, as yeah. connected. Or you're, it doesn't have to be family. I actually have a friend in California who went through an agency. Mm-hmm. And she just had a baby boy in October. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually talked to me on the phone and gave me a lot of good insight about her different, you know, experiences. and But her advice when using, you know, a, I should say a stranger, because it really mm-hmm. is a stranger, but just to feel like you have a bond and connection, because you really do, you have ultrasounds together, you have appointments together, I mean, you don't want them to be negligent, like, you, you want them to take care of your baby, right, mm-hmm. like, they're having, growing your baby and giving it a safe home, so I and think this, it's important to find that connection, if it's not a family member, 
you know, feel like you connect with that person. And I think that's a lot what these therapy sessions were for. I mean, it was important for Mm -hmm. us to have these conversations. And especially if you're using somebody who is not family, Mm -hmm. it is really important to have these therapy sessions. So we did the psychological screening I did, and then we had three sessions. Mm -hmm. We each, each couple had one separately, and then the four of us had one together. And then after we were cleared by the therapist, we went to legal. And legal was our very last step before we had um the clear so um me as the attendant parent worked with a lawyer that we got recommended through our uh, fertility clinic and we I had about an hour longer conversation with her she drafted up a contract we had a conference call with her and us as the attendant parents basically wrote the contract with our lawyer um after it was written um and it's 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 all the basic stuff i mean you could i could go into detail and i won't bore you with all the details of the contract but obviously we talked about financial things we were going to cover we did have you talk about financial you know Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people um with you're going through an agency you're going to pay you know you're going to pay a a lump sum and that's going to include um like a stipend monthly for your surrogate it can include uh, meds or, um, you know, and Kathy is my, Kathy and I are sisters. So we had kind of worked out, um, childcare, all all the Mm -hmm. things you. Sarah's giving me a little monthly stipend to make it easy on our family, like to get our house cleaned and Mm -hmm. extra food and all of that actually is generally in, uh, contracts. Yeah. So the, the financial piece will go in there you know, little things like, I think it was funny. She asked me, you know, if you want Kathy to eat or drink certain things, yeah. which is like so funny. I'm like, no, Kathy's good. But it um, was in there anyway. There's like a blanket statement. Yeah. And so we, we paid for that. We did that and they sent it over to Kathy and Alex cause mm-hmm. it's needs to be both, uh, Kathy and her husband on board. And then about at 20 weeks, we have to do another piece of the contract. Right. Um, they have to make sure that this baby is yours, right? Yes. Well, is that what they have to do? <laughs> they have to make sure Alex well, Alex and I were on very strict terms of not to make our own baby during this time because yes. we on all the fertility meds. But they still have to make sure, right? Yeah. Well so the contract is basically that says we you're having this baby, but it's ours, it's your baby, right? And we can take it home. You're legally adopting so it. We haven't gotten right? there yet because that's at the twenty week, but yeah, that will come it's later. But yeah, the the legal contract was a lot of things we talked about in counseling, so it was good. We had that in there, right? It said, we're transferring only one embryo to Kathy, but she will carry twins if it splits, but we're not. We're only transferring one embryo. Like, they oh had so gosh. many details in there. Um, so that took us about a month, right, to do the legal? Yep. And then that was about it. After that, we the, the fertility clinic gave us a clear, and then they said, okay, call us with your next cycle. And we'll get into that next, but... We did a natural cycle, so we had to wait for my period to start before we could, mm-hmm. you know, get started on that cycle month. But they had ordered my meds, and then we went from yeah. there. And the na- natural cycle, I feel like it was a little bit more sensitive, like really be on it. And I will say, like, I loved our nurses, but we had to, like, mm-hmm. be super vocal about we like, did. <laughs> when We were, like, I think like we, we would were like super to come bossy. in every... We were bossy. That, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we were kind of bossy. But honestly, this is important. You have to be, you kind of have to be bossy. You kind of have to be your own medical advocate. You know, well, no I matter got, what you're doing, whether you're a cancer patient or just yeah. a regular OB patient, well, it's okay. I wanted to say, and I loved, loved, loved our nurse. Right. But, we had a lot of great experiences. But I wanted to say at one point, like, look, Kathy knows her body yeah. literally more than, like, mo- more than most people. Like, you have mm-hmm. to trust us. We need to be here tomorrow. We mm-hmm. need to have another ultrasound. We don't want to, we'll get into that later. But, okay. So, one of the last questions I want to know from your perspective, Kathy, we talked a little bit about me as the intended parent, but you as a surrogate, how does it feel to have a child growing inside you that is not your own? Mm-hmm. So it's so wild. And yeah. how do you feel about after carrying him for nine months and growing him, just giving yeah. him to me? Know. You know, how do you feel about that? I think that's actually the number one question I get from people. So far. Okay. And, and I, I don't know if other surrogates will say the same thing. What do they say? They just say, is it crazy? How can you give a baby yours? away? Is how they, they say. say, how can you uh-huh. give a baby away? Yeah. 
intense. can you give a baby away? It's intense. And I did mine my, ask you that? Yeah. <laughs> Mom, my But did you say it's not mine? Yeah, so I have a few answers to the question. Number one, giving this baby away is the entire point of the whole thing. Right? Like right. literally I'll cry thinking about it. Like on the days that I think about birthing him and handing him to you I literally just like boohoo I'm like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. I can't wait it's gonna be like the most incredible day of our entire lives like I literally cry thinking about it because I picture us in the delivery room and Dr. Samples my OB is the one that found my cancer yeah and she's the one that's gonna deliver him and you're I mean it's just like a full circle moment there's gonna be so many people in that room that have been through this journey with us yeah, so it's the point. The point yeah. of my heart doing this is the end result, which is passing him along. The The second thing is that you know from the very beginning that, like I know, I've known from the very beginning that this baby is not mine. So I would say that it's something like a f- what a foster parent would feel. I don't know. I've never been a foster parent, but I'm guessing that you love this child, you take care of this child you adore this child you do everything you can to make sure this child is okay but you know that in the end he's not yours that you have been given these months this special time to bond and love and help and create but that it's not yours in the long run you know and so it's just a really special thing my heart feels very different in this pregnancy than it did with my own my heart feels very connected to him. I know he is yours, you know? And so it's like I'm going through this process with you. I have a connection with him. I love him, but not like I did my own, like I do my nieces and nephews. It's really an incredible thing that I have the opportunity to do, and I think God gives us a lot of strength, yeah. you know? But it's got to be a lot like I think about women who get pregnant and they realize like young women uh-huh who realize that this is not a part of their plan. They're, mm-hmm. they, you know, the responsibility is too much. They're yeah. young. And they make that hard decision to give the baby to a sweet family yeah. who maybe can't have children. It's probably a lot like that. Well, I would love um, to ha- compare myself to the strength of those women, but I don't think <laughs> that I have that strength. I think, you, it's, I think you, it's you're different. selling yourself short. Yeah, well, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, it's but, just coming from somebody who medically cannot have any more children of their own yeah it's I look at surrogates I look at women giving their babies up for adoption and it's honestly it's such a sweet incredible like supernatural yeah gift yeah I mean it's like takes supernatural strength it does it does Um, it's supernatural strength for sure but because this whole time I've had such peace, like I don't have sadness or loss. I have only joy about giving him and like growing him. I and I think that. one, I think that anybody wanting to be a gestational carrier or a surrogate, like that should be on the list, right? You have to be a person who kind of lives their life in service. I think mm-hmm. mom and dad taught us that really well. And that's always on my heart. Like it's kind of like a ministry, right? It's like, how can I use something that I have and give and serve and I think most surrogates have that yeah in their heart I've noticed that mom when she's telling people about our story and like people are like oh my gosh your girls are it's an incredible story I mean Kathy's like what a gift and I've noticed that mom has given that as an example you know this is this is Kathy's ministry this is how she can serve her sister and Mm -hmm. you know if if Sarah needed a kidney she'd give her a kidney she just needs a uterus so I've heard her say that several times and I think that um, it it makes like, sense to her for it sure. May, it clicks, yeah, because she can yeah. relate to that as a ministry because that's how she lives her life too. But So to wrap up, Sarah, I would love to know from you as an intended parent what advice you would give to other women who are struggling with fertility and considering other options and maybe even surrogacy. Yeah, well, first of all, number one, somebody, you know, a woman or a family struggling with fertility or maybe given the bad news that, you know, you can't carry children of your own. Number one, you're not alone. There mm-hmm. is a whole community of hundreds of thousands of women out there that are also struggling. Don't feel like you have to walk alone. There's women to talk to. There's options. I would recommend getting great advice from a lot of sources 
Uh, don't feel overwhelmed by the science. There's going to be people and nurses and doctors that are going to take you step by step. I will say I was really overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Surrogacy and IVF, even egg retrieval and embryo creation seemed so complicated. It seemed so confusing. Um, it seemed so out of reach. And so I think just to not be overwhelmed consider everything with a whole lot of prayer Mm -hmm. and just find a good community of women to give you good advice and probably number one find find a really good fertility clinic I mean you need people around you to kind of guide you and 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 answer your questions and really handle your body with care so I would choose your fertility clinic carefully and kind of just let God do the rest yeah that's my advice it's good advice I would chime in and also say to go into this journey with patience Patience, it takes a while right I think honestly in IVF and in surrogacy and any part of this the waiting is really hard I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like hurry up hurry up we gotta get the contract in and then we wait or hurry up hurry up let's get the eggs and embryos and let's wait and so there's a lot of patience I think if we go in knowing that it'll take a long time and the waiting is easier and I think resilience there's a lot of ups and downs there's sometimes disappointments and so and sometimes the medical side of it feels very sterile Mm -hmm. so I think if you go in knowing sometimes these clinics and nurses and things call you with bad news and do not hold your hand yeah you know and it's it's that's the hard part right Mm -hmm. so you've got to surround yourself with people who will check on you and ask how you're doing and kind of be that person who helps you be resilient and I would just say, yeah, stay encouraged. Yeah, there's lots of good in it. and It's so hard. Waiting is so hard. Waiting Patience is, is so hard. And especially when you see, I remember just seeing all these women who would just like sneeze and they were pregnant. Yeah. You think, why is my journey so hard? Yeah. You know, but patience is key. A whole lot of prayer and just stay encouraged. Yeah, because I think being good things present to those who wait. Not everything yes. happens overnight and... Every, everyone's journey is different. It's I would say my biggest thing is just you can't compare yourself to other people's mm-hmm. journeys. Every motherhood journey is different. Every birth story is different. Yeah, that so. right there is good to end on. Yes. All right, well, I think that's a wrap. All right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging in. This was a long one. We almost hit an hour. <laughs> we could have kept talking, too. I know. We have so much to talk we about. We have so much. I, I didn't address. FBS sometimes sometime soon because we will that's a lot to talk about there but thanks guys all right bye everybody